A reading from the book of Jeremiah. The word of the Lord came to me, saying, Go and proclaim in the hearing of Jerusalem. Thus says the Lord. I remember the devotion of your youth, your love as a bride, how you followed me in the wilderness in a land not sown. Israel was holy to the Lord, the first fruits of his harvest. All who ate of it were held guilty. Disaster came upon them, says the Lord. Hear the word of the Lord, O house of Jacob, and all the families of the house of Israel. For long ago you broke your yoke and burst your bonds, and you said, I will not serve. On every hill and under every green tree you sprawled and played the whore. Yet I planted you as a choice vine from the purest stock. How then did you turn degenerate and become a wild vine? And now a reading from the Gospel according to John. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit he prunes to make it bear more fruit. You have already been cleansed by the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit, because apart from me you can do nothing. Whoever does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers. Such branches are gathered thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and, I, and abide in his love. I have said these things to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. The word of the Lord. We have been thinking about some of the titles, some of the descriptions, some of the pictures that the New Testament uses, that Christians use, that Jesus himself gave to us in order to understand something about the profound mystery of who Jesus actually is. 
some of those titles need to be unpacked and explained. What is a savior? What is a prophet? Others of them are perhaps more approachable. We know what a son is. For me, this image is one of the simplest and yet also most profound. When Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're the branches, cut off from me, you can do nothing. But those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit. If you've not yet learned this about Jesus, please learn this today. That everything Jesus said, everything Jesus did, everything Jesus taught, everything Jesus was, had a history. Jesus was not born into a vacuum, nor did he speak from out of thin air. Jesus was a good Jew. He was a great Jew. In fact, he was the best Jew ever to live. It was not about his racial heritage or his ethnic heritage. It was about the history of the people who had had a special relationship with God because God made it happen, not them. And through that relationship, God revealed himself. You can argue that all Jesus did was explain to the people what God had been trying to tell them for centuries. There is more to it than that, but there is at least that much. And so on the night that Jesus was having his final conversation with the disciples before his arrest and his trial and his conviction and his execution the next day, Jesus said to the disciples, I am the vine. You are the branches. So we have to ask the question, when Jesus said, I'm the vine, where was he getting that from? Why would he choose that illustration? Jesus was a good Jew. He had gone up going to the synagogue in Nazareth. And he had heard before, he had probably read before, maybe even commented before on a passage from Jeremiah, as well as many others in the Old Testament. Let's go back to Jeremiah for just a moment and think what Jesus might have been, thought, been thinking. Jeremiah was one who spoke the truth of God to the nation of Israel about 600 years before Jesus. In Jeremiah's lifetime, the kingdom had been divided into two long before he lived, actually, and long before he lived, the northern part of the kingdom had been destroyed by the Assyrians, and now during Jeremiah's lifetime, the Babylonian Empire was attacking the southern part of the kingdom, sometimes called Judah, the part where Jerusalem is. And Jeremiah was watching the destruction of the nation of Israel. It would happen towards the end of his life in 587. He himself probably escaped off to Egypt. 
As with all the prophets, Jeremiah was saying something on God's behalf, a word that God had given him. And it was by now a familiar message. God had created Israel to be a gift to the whole world, a gift so that the whole world would know who God is and how God makes the world to be. But Israel blew it. In Jeremiah's language, God and Israel had a pretty thing pretty good thing going at the beginning. They were, they were like brand new lovers, just so much in love, they couldn't even think of anyone else. And of course, God never did. But Israel had turned its attention to other gods. Israel had prostituted itself with other gods. Israel had lost its first love and run off after other philosophies, other ideas, other ways of living. All the ancient prophets agreed that when Israel stayed close to God, even if things went bad, still they had God as their strength. But especially when they ran away from God, when they got bored, when they got distracted, when they got tired, then things fell apart. Jeremiah says that Israel was meant to be like a choice vine, a wonderfully flourishing and productive plant that would bless the whole world with the knowledge and love of God. But now Israel was like a wild vine, unpruned, not tapping into the source of life deep in the ground, deep in the wells of being and meaning. Jesus had that image in mind. As he was speaking now to a generation of Jews who also had many of them at least, lost their way. They won't, weren't so sure about God anymore. They were trying to figure out how to get along with the Romans and, and how to get along with themselves. And they kept going through the rituals and traditions of the temple and kept going back to some of the many rules and regulations that they had created for themselves, still trying to find God, but it wasn't working. And so Jesus appeared and started to teach the people all over again about who God was and who they were meant to be. And in the midst of that conversation, Jesus says, I am the vine. There's an illogical leap that is made there, unless you think about it deeply enough. Jeremiah, speaking for God, had said, Israel, you are the vine. You are meant to bless the whole world. And now here's Jesus saying, I'm the vine. One of the ways that we understand who Jesus is, is that Jesus is God's way of starting all over again. You'll remember, of course, as Paul writes to the Romans, that he said that Jesus was like the new Adam, the new humanity meant to express and embody and manifest and be an example for the rest of us how to do this human being thing the right way with the power and forgiveness and love and grace and mercy of God. And now Jesus is saying, I'm the new Israel. 
course, one person can't be a whole nation. And so Jesus invites everyone else to join him into this new Israel. You don't have to be born into it. You do not have to have a biological lineage that takes you back to Abraham. What you need to do is to be grafted onto the root. If Jesus is the new vine, the one true vine, the vine that never is going to go away from God, then we are meant to be its branches. Grafted on, as it were. How do we do that? How do we get ourselves onto the vine? If you're a literal grape plant, I've never heard it called that before. Have you ever heard it called that before? That's what it is, is a grape plant. If you're going to get onto the grape plant, you need somebody to graft you on. God does that in a very mystical transition and experience that is called the gift of believing. It begins with our believing. It begins with our trusting Jesus and saying, Jesus, you're right. You're right about us. You're right about God. You're right about our need for forgiveness. You're right that, that we need to get on to you. It's not about our worship. It's not about our education. It's not about, it's not about our, our religious rituals, except and insofar as they help us get in touch with you. Jesus says, get grafted on to me. It's not just believing, though. It's real easy to say, yeah, Jesus, that's cool. That's who you are. And then go about your merry way. Jesus said, there are things that happen that bring you to me. There are things that happen that bind you to me. Jesus said, it's about getting steeped in the word, knowing who I am, knowing what I teach. Not listening to all those voices out there who would say, this is true faith, or that is true faith, but listening to me in the words of Scripture. It's about listening to my commandments. It's about listening to the truth that I have taught you, which is really the only truth, because I'm the author of truth. And then it's about loving. Do you notice how in that conversation that Jesus has with the disciples, he says, abide in my word, follow my commandments, love people. And so we're grafted on as we learn with our minds and as we have our hearts transformed. It's about being grafted on as we gather together with other people who are wanting to be on the same vine. Now, I have bad news for you, but it's true. This business of being grafted on and growing strong into the vine that is our source of life takes time and it takes work. Now, none of us like that, by the way. None of us like to give our time or our effort. We all want the magic diet pill. You take it and your body is perfect, don't we? There is no such thing 
Jesus says, abide in me. I love that word, abide. It means to hang with something for a long time. Yeah, it's really important to come to that moment in your life where you say, Jesus, I'm with you, but then that sets you on a journey that takes you the rest of your lives. Literally, the rest of your lives. There's no great success in the world that comes instantly. And there's no strong branch grafted onto the root that grows instantly. But it takes time. It takes a process. It takes something called pruning. I kind of like the word abide. You know, it's like, okay, I know the direction I'm going in. I'm just going to hang for a long time. For the rest of time, by the way. But pruning, I don't like pruning. I thought about bringing a big set of pruning shears up here with me. Yeah, I thought you might get scared. Right? I might cut myself. I don't know. Part of the life of following Jesus involves pain. The pain of changing. It involves discipline. The discipline of doing our very best and sometimes being corrected when we haven't. It involves help from outside. You see, in the end analysis, we cannot make ourselves into great branches grafted onto the root. Only God can do that. I've never seen a stick get up off the ground and attach itself to the root of anything. It takes a farmer, doesn't it? It takes a vintner. It takes a vine dresser. It takes somebody with the right pruning shears who knows where to cut and when to cut and how to cut. Who makes it happen? That's called grace. Now, how do you know? How do you know if you're grafted on? How do you know if you're drawing your resources from the root? You know by the fruit. You know by the fruit. This is so simple, folks. Think about fruit for a second. I love fruit. I love ripe, luscious peaches and deep red strawberries. I love fruit of all kinds. Think about that fruit. And then think about what happens every once in a while when you open the door of the refrigerator and behind that luscious bowl of ripe red cherries, there's a kind of grayish brown fuzzy mass growing in the corner. <laughs> no. Is your life glistening and sweet and fresh? Or is it that fuzzy gray mass growing at the back of the fridge? Look at the fruits. Look at the fruits. Now, friends, all of us have to say, yeah, I can point to some fruit, but boy, it's that bad stuff that worries me. Here's one last lesson for today, anyway, about this vine business. One of you, I can say for sure, maybe two of you, I don't know, but one of you read my email blast yesterday. I was a little behind in getting it out. But not a single one of you wrote to me and said, Jack, where's the email blast from Friday? Nobody. <laughs> that was great. Thank you for that grace. But one of you wrote me 
an email blast, uh, your own response to my email. And I'm not going to identify who that person is. But he sent me a picture of his backyard in August and this beautiful vineyard that he's planted there. The grapes are Syrah and Grenache. And this person, who I know, is now one of my new best friends. <laughs> Here's what he wrote at the end of his little description of this new vineyard. He said, it was amazing to see such growth from the bare sticks that Joey so generously gave to me. You can take a little stick from off the vine that has no leaves, no obvious sign of life, and in the miracle of growth that only God gives, you can make it grow again. You just have to come back to the vine. Jesus said, I'm the vine, you are the branches. You are meant to bear fruit. If you're not bearing any fruit, or if you're wondering if you're just a branch lying there cut off on the ground, then take this to heart, that God can put you back. God will put you back. And then you can and you will bear fruit if you abide on the branch. Pray with me. God, we thank you for this simple, beautiful, profound way of thinking about who you are. And we thank you that you're the vine. Amen.